Hi, my beautiful people. I just wanted to let you know about a book that's helped me save a lot of money. The book is called How to Buy in Today's Digital World, Tips for Those Who Want to Save a Buck. This book provides step-by-step -step tips on how to save money on your online purchases. It also instructs you on making smart financial decisions when buying groceries, booking flights and hotels, plus lots more. I hope you get a chance to get your copy. I think you'll love it, and I know you'll save some money. Available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You're listening to Augustus Cho's Fry It Up podcast on the Nana Music Network. Before we talk about Australia, I want to tell you a little story. It's All a little right. long, but I think it's relevant to what we're discussing. Uh, I'm in the United States now on the East Coast, the great state of North Carolina. Mm -hmm. But uh, for a while, I was back in Korea. Mm -hmm. I was teaching for DOD and that sort of thing. But uh, at the time, I, I was sending uh, my children to the international school there. Yeah. And all the foreign diplomats, uh, head of CEOs of all the large companies in Korea were sending their children there. And I got to meet a lot of uh, Aussies. Yeah. And I really, I really uh, come to like Aussies. I love their accent. I love their accent more than the, you know, the British accent, you know, it's just something about them. And one time I was giving uh, this lady who's a mother of another child who was in the same class with my child. Um, after school, after curriculum, after school curriculum, I gave them back and forth fries. Yeah. And she was from Australia, and she was from a, a day or something like that outside of Sydney. And you know, we talked about different things. And she was curious about the United States. I shared my, you know, thoughts and experiences with her, and she would show, share her experience with Australia with me. And one time, she said, uh, we were talking about the military. And she said, and this was only in two thousand five. She uh -huh. said. You know, until I came to Seoul, I had never seen an African-American man or person. And it blew my mind. You're like, what? Yeah. I mean, you know, what? And I was thinking, how is that possible? Because I'm thinking Australia is as cult you know, culturally diverse as the United no. States. No. And then <clears throat> she said, yeah, uh, there aren't that many blacks in the whole country. So it was the first time she saw a black man was a United States soldier. Yeah. So what I'm getting at is when you when they saw you in the Circus Dolay singing, you probably presented the first for for a number of them the first time they ever seen an African American woman perform, and that was their first impression of the whole ethnicity. How yeah. did that, how did that impact you? Oh my gosh! Well, let's just say that I'm all about tone, and I. <laughs> It's important to understand tone when dealing with the Aussie because the happy-go-lucky Aussie 
is probably not offending you, although they are loud and, <laughs> and uh, very effective. Let's just say that. Oh my gosh. Well, I had a, I have a mohawk, right? But this, this is like long. So this isn't as threatening. This calms all of me down. This is like, oh, she's so sweet. Look at how sweet she is. <laughs> but at the time, I had a mohawk. So I confused the Aussies because the Aussies were like, so are you Mohican? <laughs> I'm not. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> we don't need to be talking about uh, the Mohican tribe. And I'm not Mohican. This is literally a hairstyle. And and the reason why they just, everyone thought that I was Native American um, was because the hair, I didn't have gel in it. It just, it, she does what she wants and she kind of goes off to the side. So they just thought that I was just here to prove the Mohican tribe. So it was actually kind of a, little, a lot of microaggressions, but I can't really say they were to me because they didn't really affect me. But I will say there were lots of people who just had to put their hands in my hair. And a lot of people had to tell me about the black person that their cousin met one time when they were visiting the States. You know, it was like, oh, I watch Oprah. It was kind of that vibe. And I'm like, I didn't ask, you know, I'm just happy to be here. But I, no one was rude to me. I never had any rude things, but every, I can tell you, everyone wanted to know me. Everyone wanted to sit at my table. I couldn't go anywhere without someone being like, can I just, can I just buy you a drink? Can I just get you? <laughs> so my my experience was, wow, I'm definitely the new girl on the block everywhere I go and everyone just kind of wants to give me things. It took four seconds before everyone was like, oh, that's the girl from the circuit. So it's like Australia is really big, but like Sydney all of a sudden for me is kind of small. Yeah. And Perth is real small. The whole, all of Perth knew how, who I was and literally five minutes after we arrived. <laughs> Uh, but they were lovely. Everyone was super lovely to me. But yeah, you you betcha. They were really excited to be able to talk to me. I was a black girl from the United States and I was touring with Cirque du Soleil. But in a way, such an opportunity provides you with a chance to be a diplomat for United States as well as for African-Americans, right? Exactly. It felt really good to be uh, treated with respect even though people just were being kind of weird, but it was like, yeah. So whatever it is that you think that you know about the United States, welcome to me. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Now base your judgments. If you're going to judge, put it all towards me because you all are putting me on your yachts. (laughs) I got there and in like in Perth and and like after the first day, I was already on this like amazing, beautiful yacht. And I was becoming, I was being introduced to all of these celebrities and it felt so nice as if I was the queen because everyone was just so lovely and it felt really good because there was no hate, no anything gross like that. Right. So what a unique opportunity. What's the best thing about being, having gone to Australia? Oh my gosh. I, okay. First of all, as a New Yorker, I will say it, the smell alone makes me want to live there. It smells so good. Everywhere you go. (laughs) You mean it doesn't smell like Chicago? It doesn't smell like Chicago. It doesn't smell like Times Square. It doesn't smell like Penn Station. There's a lot of things in New York. We got a lot of smells here. And a lot of times you're like, this new mask thing, I'm into it. And <laughs> <laughs> I just could, I, I almost cried. Like the reasons I almost cried when I was leaving Australia was the smells. I couldn't get over that. Every time the wind blew, it was like this new discovery of some plant that I needed to find. It was beautiful. Never anything that smells bad. So, you're, 
taste. It was the floral scent that that you really uh, appreciated. And then the beaches. Like I didn't know what beauty was until I saw the beaches of Australia, and no one's on them. However, you can one hundred percent die if you go into a lot of the water at the beaches. But if you don't go in them and you must wear protection from the sun, that will kill you. If you just like protect yourself, it's a beautiful, beautiful experience. I almost got killed by jellyfish because we're stupid tourists. Um, But you really got to watch that. It's really kind of crazy, but it was just the most beautiful. Like your eyes go crazy because there's beauty everywhere and everyone loves the animals. So you're also living amongst wildlife. So if you don't like that, Australia is not for you because they do not like it when you throw rocks at birds that are too close to you. And also the birds don't care. They'll just, they'll just keep living their lives because they're not afraid of the human. We coexist. So it's kind of cool to be like hanging out with birds and like, I call them dinosaurs. They call them lizards. So it's fun to kind of be part of that. <clears throat> I mean, they have just as much right to live as we do. So I would have no philosophical problems with that. Exactly. You kind of just got to be cool with it because they will kick you out. They, they, they don't play that. You got to be nice to their, I mean, they have like, we have like raccoons that get into trash and over there they have these, like, I can call them pelicans, but they're not pelicans because I don't know birds, but they look like they could be pelicans, but they're dirty because they're dumpster divers. And even the little dumpster divers are cute. I love them. They're just, Waiting across the road with everybody else. Like, it was so cute. All right. So what's the worst experience? What's the worst thing about Australia? Oh, gosh. What was the worst thing? Oh, the, the, this, is, this is very telling of me and musicians. But the times the bars closed, they were going through all this lockdown stuff way before COVID, way before anybody should be locking down any establishments. We don't get to drink until the show's over. And we have had 15 shows. Like, we want to leave the, the show. We have to take off all our makeup, take off our clothes, some of the acts shower, and then you want to go out and have, like, a drink. And Sydney was like, we're close. We stopped. Last, last call was at, like, 9.30 every single night of the week. So I remember being on the radio to promote Puza, and I ended it with saying, you guys lost the battle. And I don't know if we're ever going to come back because we can't even drink here. (laughs) (laughs) We're in in the entertainment industry. We need to drink to to keep smiling for all of you every single night. (laughs) And what did you drink when you were in Australia performing? Well, I didn't drink Faustus because you can't find that anywhere. And everyone just makes fun of you if you say it. It's not even in Australia. Uh, But my drink, gosh, during, oh, oh, because of the money that you make on that contract, my drink every night was champagne. It's constantly in celebration mode. Like my teeth are done. I'm on tour with a rock star company. I'm single. This is the greatest time. Champagne, vote to go for everybody. Champagne, all the time. I haven't had any of that since. But like, <laughs> and, you, and you were one of the stars there. Oh, it was so. Um, you have to. You have. Oh my gosh, it's so important because we're constantly having to um, hustle, right? And trust me, there was never a moment of like ease when I was on tour with the company. You know, I'm constantly thinking of how much money I'm going to need to be able to live in New York. What's going on where I'm living? Like you're constantly stressing about these things, but you still have to be able to pop bottles and experience sitting on a dock in Coogee 
beach coogee where like these the most gorgeous men are standing around you and they all have their tops off and they're all looking at me because I'm the new girl in town and I'm popping bottles with like these gorgeous people who I work with because they're circus performer Olympians and you really have to be like this is my life (laughs) presently right now I have to breathe this in. I need to be grateful. I need to do whatever it is that is going to make me smile in a year from now when I'm in the in-between because I know I'm eventually going to leave the circus and then I have to go right back square one and I'm not going to be able to pop those bottles. There's not going to be attractive men standing around me shirtless. (laughs) I don't know about that part, but you (laughs) you have to live for the moment at times, right? have to because I don't know when that's going to happen again and it was just such a beautiful moment and I, I I never wanted to be in the circus in the first place so I don't know if I'll ever be in a circus again so like really experience that and especially how I got it that just dropped in my lap and there's so many things that I need to happen that don't drop into my lap and there's so many other people who were given anything to be able to tour with the circus so I also felt like I didn't belong there I can tell you that like I loved it but and I'm never going to have an opportunity and be like, oh, nah, like I'm always going to go for it and prove to myself things and learn. But like I, I would I would hate myself if I just stayed comfy and stayed in something that I never really even wanted because there are someone out there would kill to, to be able to perform on what I'm like, oh, take it or leave it. <laughs> so sure. I think it's also important to step yeah. out of that fish and let fishiness and let somebody else do it. Because that contract is amazing. I'm glad you had a chance to experience it. But you're building your own world. So that's part of of the chapters, you know. It's a journey you're on. I told them I would stay in the circus if they changed the name to Cirque du Solisa. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. good. It may happen one day. Uh, Let's move on to another uh, uh, chapter of your life, which was when you uh, debuted singing for vinyl. uh, Back up. What was that like? I always have so many ridiculous stories. You, you think that your stories are long. Mine are always too long. But this one's good. So I've never, I've done like musical theater acting, right? Um, I've just been um, sidetracked with other things. So when this vinyl thing happened, it's it was just the band getting hired to. Give us a background on vinyl list for people that may not be familiar with it. Oh gosh, it was uh, at the time I didn't even know myself, but it's a uh, it's on HBO, and it was a show that was based on music, like all this music and the music business and the hard side of it and drugs and alcohol and all the nitty gritty. And uh, Olivia Wilde is in it. It was a really amazing cast. Ray Romano was in it. That was really cool because like I totally was a fan of his back in the day. Everybody loves Raymond. Come on. Um, and I always forget the lead man's name, but he's super hot and um, he's such a big deal. I can never remember his name, but it was all about the music business in like the 70s. So it's like nitty gritty. And they stepped away from like using real characters, like actual artists from that time and kind of like sold their stories in different ways. So it was really cool. And I think they had two seasons and I was on season one, making my debut on television on HBO. But uh, it started out as them. They just uh, the casting called and they just wanted to hire the band to sing backup at in a scene. 
And so I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool. And they, they specifically asked for me because I was like not singing with the band, I think at that time. And they're like, we want her. So I felt super cool. And we get there and like, I get to be in glam. I felt like such a uh, movie star. And I was, I was being treated like an actual human because I've definitely been on sets before where they're like, hey, you, be quiet. Go stand over there. <laughs> and then this time they were like, hi, Lisa. Thank you for coming today. We're excited to have you. Like they knew my name. Vinyl was a, uh, directed by Martin Scorsese, and it was about produce, music producers in the 70s. And you happened to be one of the backup singers for that, probably for the track, I imagine. So it was, it, crazy. It, was it was crazy because I, I was like waiting to, for Martin to walk in so I could wow him with my brilliance of acting. <laughs> Wouldn't have him that day. But I did get to like act in, in, in the, in the scene. Cause they, uh, there's a part where, uh, Ray Romano, I think he gets punched and the music stops and everyone's supposed to react to it. But here I am on stage, just like watching the scene, not thinking anything of it. And then, um, the director's like cut. And then she, I forget the director's name. She w- makes this cross down to me. And I'm like, is she walking towards me? <laughs> walking towards me I was singing I was doing everything right and she goes um Lisa and I'm like yes she goes whenever um Ray gets punched and he hits the ground I need you to react can everybody react whenever Ray gets punched Lisa could you react and I go of course yes but in my head I'm thinking why are you asking me to act I didn't get hired to act I was hired to sing and I did my part I don't know why everybody's looking at me and why is there a camera now in my face there's a camera right there camera so it scared me to death but um then whenever I saw then they did then they said rolling so I reacted and I got it in one take because then they moved on there you go <clears throat> so silly whenever I'm on a set to me an important aspect is the craft service how was theirs okay first of all you know I know you know about craft services that is not okay for anyone who's on camera because we want to eat it all and we can't eat it all. <laughs> we can just look at it. The crew, the crew gets to have a good time with craft services. I get to go eat celery. <laughs> so it's fun to watch, to see what everybody else gets to enjoy. <laughs> you mean as a backup singer, they didn't uh, allow you to uh, enjoy the craft service? Oh no, they allowed you to, but my dress was fitting so beautifully. Uh-huh. I dare not change a thing. And we were filming, I think, for 16 hours. So uh, there were two two times for me to have a burger, some chicken wings, all kinds of things that were there. And I said, that's cool. I'll just have some celery in the corner. Uh, sorry about that. That's that's too bad. I wanted to take it home, but I thought, is that is that bad? Do people do that? You know, I'm sure some people do. Some people do. It's like, don't be that person. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, not cool, but I'm sure some people do it. And we will be right back after this important message. And we're back.
ask you a philosophical question at this point, because uh, you've, you've seen the, you're, you have talent, singing as well as acting. Do uh, you think talent is, talents are born or made? Ooh, I think both. I think it's, it's uh, it depends. I think that you can, there's a lot of people out there who are natural and you can't teach it. And no matter what happens when they're in that room, that they're watched, you know, that's, that's just who you are. But then there are other people who work really, really hard and can stand up that next to that person and can do really well and grab attention, but they're never going to be that other person who's just born with it. Which category do you, do you think you are? After saying it like that. (laughs) Well, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I confidently say the born with it because it's a blessing and a curse. And I, and not everybody knows it unless you have it. Cause it's a lot to, there's no way to not sound like a jerk talk, talking about it, but like, it's, you don't notice it. And then when you do, it's like, it, it, it's just, it's weird. Cause it's, it's, it's a lot of eyes on you and you don't know why and it's weird. And like your friends are your friends and then they're not your friends and you're sitting over here just trying to be low key and cool. But like, there's just something about you that demands attention, even though you're not doing anything. You're like work at, for me, it's like, I'm working on things and you don't necessarily need all these people to be looking at you while you're like working on things and becoming this artist, but that every, they're just drawn to it. And, and I want them to be, you know, it's like, you want to, but you want them to be when you want them to be, but that's the blessing and a curse of it. It's just, they have to, I've been told so many times, I just have to watch you. And it's not from like a high guy. It's from performing. It's like, there's just that thing. And so for me, it's like, instead of trying to figure out what that thing is, let's just capitalize on it and let everybody have a good time. Cause I'm not the only person who has that thing. I think but it's called presence. Presence. I'm here. I'm with you. And no presence, presence, presence. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You have that presence or that persona. I think that's what you're talking about. Right. Persona. I don't know. I just go with it. I'm telling you. I'm like, I don't, I, I just can't. It's like, whatever. It's, I'm just happy that everyone's happy and that we can have some fun if we elevate this. So let's elevate this and get more people in, involved and let's have a, a good time. That's where I am because I think it's a little too heavy to try to figure out what this is for <laughs> me. Like, oh, whatever. Let's just have fun. If you were to ask me, my personal observation would be that you are a natural. Thank you. So, I mean, you know, so you have it or you don't, I think you have it. Speaking of which leads me to uh, the voice. (laughs) Remember that? I did that. I did that. Now you were invited to audition for the voice on NBC season 16. (laughs) And my understanding is that somehow somebody contacted you. So give us the breakdown and lowdown on that. There's lots of ways. There's lots of roads to the blind audition. Um, when you are very active on your social media, um, they have teams of people who will find singers. You know, they, they, they know how to get us. Um, and I was just doing my due diligence online. Lots of people get asked this way. And they uh, reach out to you casting from... California will reach out to you to ask if you are interested in being a part of the show. And um, that's pretty much how it got started. And it was based on social media. So I mean, today, of- 
Did they send you a text or something or did they call you? <laughs> it was, uh, gosh, the first time it was, it was through my social, it was everything. It was, that's when you know it's serious. It was my Instagram, my Facebook messages, my email, a text message, and a phone call. Did they say, Lisa, we would like to invite you to audition for The Voice? Yeah, I think that I was um, walking down the street and my I actually had no voice, which is a whole other story. But I had been working so much in New York and I had been performing every single night and partying and I had nothing to give. And I didn't want to answer the phone because it was an unknown number. And I picked up the phone like, hello. And <laughs> someone on the other line was like, hi, this is like, you know, so-and-so from NBC The Voice is this Lisa. And then, of course, I'm like, hi, as much as I <laughs> your voice out. But I definitely answered like, hello. And they were really nice to me. But it was a phone call. And because I didn't, I didn't really know if I believed the text messages. And the, um, anybody can get your number. Anybody can reach out on social media. Um, but the phone call was like, oh, wow, you guys are like, this is real. And and then we were on the phone for like two years. <laughs> two years? Because I auditioned for it. Because, oh, my gosh, the, the actual timing and of everything is why it's so hazy in my head. Like, I never can answer timeline questions because of when everyone has their own story of their audition. And so my audition took however long my audition process took before I got to the blind audition. And it was a very different process when I had to audition the following season because I didn't make it this first season. So whenever I was asked back slash kind of asked back <laughs> and then I did the next season, it was a completely different audition process until it gets to the executive callbacks. Then it's like the same. But on your way in, I got a bunch of emails and social media messages, text messages, and then eventually a phone call. Okay. When you first, the first time you got that phone call, I'm sure you were very excited and you auditioned for it. And, but when they didn't take you, what were some of your thoughts? <laughs> when they didn't take me, uh, let's back up just a little bit. Because of my time that I've spent in this business and because I have been auditioning since I was a a child I knew immediately that something was up when I got there <laughs> and the thing that was weird which will sound crazy to people but what was weird is that they were being exceptionally nice to me <laughs> like they loved me they knew my name there's like literally thousands of people auditioning and there's like Lisa oh my gosh the Mohawk girls here we love your hair I'm like Nope, this is weird. So I had my guard up at the very beginning and then so many other things happen in the world of LA that now like put your guard up because it was my first time ever being kind of a part of Hollywood and all that stuff. And oh, I was just like crazy having to deal with that. But um, I forgot what your question was. What was your question? <laughs> when you first got rejected the first time around, what were some of your thoughts? With all of that, because because it's, there's just so much that happened that lead up to that moment. And it's hard to touch on everything. But by the time I was about to go out, and this is like a month before the blind audition, one full month, I go out and it's like I knew. It's like I knew I wasn't going to get it. I don't know how to explain it. There was just some things that happened 
And I was just like, oh my God, I'm not going to get this. And then I had to go out there and perform like I was. So I, you know, I just brushed that aside and I, and I get out there on that stage and everyone's like, it's going to be so quiet. It's deafening. And I didn't even notice that. I got on stage and I go to sing. And then as I'm singing this song, I'm nailing it. I know I'm nailing it. And I, they're not turning, but it's not really about them when I'm performing. Like I, I think most performers who've been doing this for a long time, it's not about once you're on stage, you're giving a performance, you're giving a piece of yourself and no one can take that away from you. And, and no one can have that power. That's mine. That's my moment. So it's, I don't distract myself with like trying to turn some chairs. I'm going to go out there and do what I do best. I'm going to get the energy from all these people who are now on their feet for me and like live this moment. And I had the best time. And then you can set, you can see it. And I think I'm singing the nightmare I wake in the nightmare I wake in. I'm singing it. And my voice is like, <laughs> you can hear it because I gave up at that point on the inside because I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I knew they were too nice from the very beginning. I knew it. And so you have that feeling. And I think it's interesting because, you know, you can only hear it if I tell you, but you can hear it in my voice where I'm like, was this really just a waste of my time? Are you kidding me? It's been a long time since I haven't got a call back. You know what I mean? Like I haven't got a call back when I was like in high school, like maybe not even then, like I always get callbacks and this is in my head considered a callback. And I didn't get, didn't get on the show. I didn't mess up. So you finish and then you have no idea if this is going to be aired or not. So you sign papers at the very beginning, like six months before that moment, you sign a contract that like says that they have the power to, they own your likeness. So that means that whatever I say, whatever sound bites I give NBC or The Voice, they have control over it. So you have to watch what you say and you have to always be thinking in how you carry yourself. So you can't just be like going crazy because anything that you say can be and will be used against you. And they've got cameras and how can you say you didn't say something if that's what you said? If they edit it to make you look however they want, no one's going to believe you. Everyone loves The Voice. So... You have that, well, you're, you should have that in your mind. So whatever that like didn't turn and then they all turn around. You're just, all you, what can you do but smile? On the inside, I was crushed. I was confused. All kinds of emotions going on that you're just pushing down so that I can hear them talking to me <laughs> and kind of get through this because I have to now then, I guess, go home. So it was, it was horrible because you are being silenced. And I mean, you're not like you, you have the whole stage and you've got Kelly Clarkson, Adam Levine, <laughs> Jennifer Hudson. Um, they're all just like sitting there and Blake Shelton. They're all just like sitting there and saying like, oh, it didn't work out because of this. And it was probably because of this. And it was your song choice and all this stuff. But all, but all I'm hearing is like, I need to get off the stage and go home. <laughs> I don't want to be here anymore. Oh my God, this is going to air. So it felt terrible, but you can see, I have my, the microphone in this hand and when I'm not talking on it I'm like holding this hand down here and that's my anxiety and my anger I'm just like holding you can see that I'm like holding it and keeping composure because I just need to get out of here and get a drink and go talk to somebody normal about what just happened so it was a lot it was intense what do you think they were looking for or in general 
I think that they are very, very good at running that show. It is a well-oiled machine. And I think if you play by the rules and you watch your back and respect yourself and respect them and, and trust, trust them, you can have a very good time on The Voice. And that's what I did. And I ended up coming back with a story. Uh, and I got to be on John Legend's team and that story got to follow me. And I still get to do interviews where I talk about my story. So you tell me there's both sides. There's definitely two ways to look at it. And I just tell everybody that I won the voice (laughs) because I still maintain a relationship with a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And I, and then I have personal relationships with a lot of people that I worked with in NBC and with the voice. And I love that, you know, not a lot of people can walk away from working on the voice with a smile on their face and, and be happy. And I can, and I recommend it for people. And I think everyone should try it, but you just have to really be smart and really know what you're doing and know thyself and be able to run with the punches. Cause it didn't feel good that the whole world got to see me not make it. And yes, there were lots of people out there who thought they needed to give me advice and gave me all sorts of advice <laughs> online. And I wanted to fire back at them, but with the timeline, by the time the world had seen that I hadn't made it on the voice that season, I was already in LA already uh, filming the next season. So it was just like crazy. Are they about a year behind in terms of uh, showing production versus uh, airing? It kind of depends because, because they do two, it's, 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 it's insane. I don't know how they do it. They do two, they do two shows a season and while that's happening, they have to be auditioning and getting everything ready for the next season. So, I mean, it's it, it depends. <laughs> it really does depend. And all kinds of things happen, and they take care of things like quickly. They're really good at what they do. And we will be right back after this important message. And we're back. I pulled into Nazareth. I was feeling about a half past day. I just need a place where I can lay my head. Hey, mister, can you tell me where a girl might find a bed? He grinned and shook my head. No, it was all he said. Take What, what did you do differently the second time versus the first time that you think was the trigger to get you on? Well, it was because of the voice that my experience with the voice that I left believing that I'm an R&B performer and that I turned kind of went the route of soul rock. And um, 
that kind of happened. And I think that a lot changed then because I, I like a pro, how you approach a song and then how you perform a song and how I just don't care. And I don't need to do what other people think is going to work for me. I'm just going to do what I do. And that was a big difference. So there's like a box that they were putting me in, but they weren't, it wasn't like they were like these men who like show up and they're like, you're this, and this is how you're going to be. I, it was things that I was saying and I was doing that introduced the box that they didn't put me in. So that when I came back the next time, I, they, NBC has me on camera saying like, when you guys had me before, I was playing by your rules, but I'm absolutely not playing by your rules. This time I'm going to do whatever I want. And so they were like, okay, let's see it. And then I performed Sex on Fire. And it was a, um, you know, a song that you don't really see on prime time. <laughs> Someone's screaming about Sex on Fire, but <laughs> I love the music and, and, and I love that I'm getting, have a chance to kind of yell at the judges after they didn't let me on the first time. And I get to just keep, I love the song just gets higher and higher and higher. And at the ending, I just get to scream and there's guitar and there's drums in the background. And I did the version of the song that Beyonce did. So it was really powerful and had all this meaning about women. And I just loved it. And it was a whole different performance because it was me. And at the end of the song, did you know? Or did you not care whether you made it or not? Because you did you. You did you. I just assumed that I wasn't going to because I thought it would be better TV if I didn't. <laughs> and there's just so much B-roll that uh, the, edit the editors have to go through. And the questions that you're asked and all the things that are being discussed, I thought for sure they're going to hang me out to dry again. And then they didn't. So I was fully prepared. I'd already gone through it once. So I figured, well, I can go through it again. And then they did air it. You know, I felt what it's like for the world to see. And then I also felt what it's like for the world to move on, which is great. I love that everyone just moves on. <laughs> um, so it was, um, I didn't know. I had no idea. And I was just caught up in performing. I was caught up in the fact that I got to do it again. Caught up in the fact that, haha, I get to do what I want. And I had like my heels on. They didn't want me to wear heels. My heels were like eight inches. There's something crazy. I'm like, I'm going to wear my heels. And I loved it so much. And then, and I, and I finished with my head up because I didn't think anybody turned, you know, we just see out of the corner of your eye during the performance that like, all I see are names. So no one would turn. So I just gave my final note up. I was like, I hit the high note. Yeah. And I finished and I looked down and I can see it. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't believe it. I like dropped to my knees. I, the wind knocked out. Like, oh my gosh, I actually got on the show. And I sang at nine o'clock at night. So like that it was all day that I was just waiting and filming B-roll. And I finally got to get out there. And then John, I just saw his face and crumbled. Wonderful. Wonderful. Good story. Um, being on that show, especially the second time, I imagine helped you in terms of public recognition. Yeah. Yeah. How did, how did that play out? Beautifully. The only reason I uh, would ever do the voice um, would be because there's a lot to do as a new artist that can you just bypass if you get on a sh television show like The Voice. So it's really hard to get onto it, but I needed it. I'm so happy I did it because now I just jumped ahead. Um, I just was on um, Good Morning America just said that I was to, uh, one of their top 50 best albums of 2020. 
they were going to know, Good Morning America, they don't know who I am unless I do The Voice. There's a lot of singers out here who have albums that are out in 2020. And how do they know who they are? How do you get that reach? It's the due diligence of me and my team that get, get, make all that possible. It's not enough just to do the show. Like we, you have to, it's a campaigning. <laughs> I learned a lot from working with Pamela Harris about campaigning. And it's like constant, you're constantly bugging people and throwing yourselves at them to pitch yourself. And like, that's how these things happen. But none of it would, nobody cares unless you've done something like the voice. I mean, there's over 10 million people that watch that show and that show's not going anywhere. It just keeps getting better and better and more and more views. Um, so yeah, it, I don't know. I mean, like, I can't even imagine a pandemic and trying to achieve all the things that I achieved this year without having the voice. Like, I'm so happy I did that. Saying I was mentored by John Legend is the key to get into anywhere. Everyone's like, say what? John who? Yeah, we want to talk to you. So it works. And I'm from the first season that he was on. So it really helps. Timing is whew, everything. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, you also uh, did a video called Open Wide. Yeah. Talk about yourself, but you also filmed that in Seoul, Korea. Yeah, I did. How in the heck did that happen? And how did Korea come into the equation? Gorgeous, 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 beautiful Seoul, Korea. It reminds me of San Francisco a little bit. I um, I was there with my friend uh, just to see where she grew up. She's a military brat, I think. And um, so she wanted me to see like uh, where she grew up. And I think they were tearing down the um, school or something. I think it was like they're building something else. And so she wanted me to see where she grew up. And I'm like, why don't I shoot a music video while I'm out there? Because that's what you do. Um, because it just matched the music to open wide so much. The feeling of just kind of being there. And the people and the street fashion, I... When I have the money, my closet will be filled with Korean fashion. That's all I want to wear. I loved it so, so much. And so I just had a great time there. The street food, oh, it was so tasty. I and the, But the clothing is what did it for me. So I just loved it there. The guys were catcalling me. I died. So it was <laughs> like the best time. And so I thought, how brilliant to, to make a video there I just, uh, called a friend of hers who had a camera, a professional camera, and bought the clothes while I was out there and then just kind of filmed like in a doc kind of style, pretending like the guy who has the camera was my boyfriend. And I was discovering soul. What's your favorite food that you tasted while you're over there? Whatever that cheese was that's on the stick, that cheese. It's like a bunch of pieces of cheese that they deep fry. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, I. I, it was scrumptious, and all I wanted was to just keep eating those all day. And how long were you there to, vi to video and all that? We did that video in, I think it was just a day. I think we shot it just literally the full day. I think it was making like a 10-hour shoot. But I was there in Seoul for 10 days. 10 days? We ended up doing a show because the friend that I was with, she's a singer as well. And so we were like, well, let's also... We're kind of workaholics. Do you take any any opportunity? Come on, let's put it together a show. Let's make a music video. She also came to visit me whenever I was in the circus, and we filmed a music video for her while she was visiting me in Australia. You got to take advantage of every situation you're in. Absolutely. Um, 
but yeah, I was there for like 10 days. So I got to really experience being there and then just did a few other things, did a little show, had some fun. It was great. Oh, yeah. uh, kind of reminded you of New York City though, with the density of people there in Seoul. Yeah, I like how everything's really close together. I like that people are very friendly. I like, you know, people get bad reps, but everyone was really nice. And I love the food. And we talked about that. But uh, it was like New York because you're really close to your neighbor out there. But I thought more San Francisco because of the hills. I loved how the hills were. And I also love that you could get out and go to like greenery and then go see. What did I see? I I took a little thing and I rode up. Yeah, cable car. Yeah, cable car up. Thompson. Something super famous. And it's like the highest peak of soul. So I I love that. It was it was just a lot of fun. There's a lot to do there. Like New York, like Manhattan. Yeah, you kind of today in Seoul, you kind of really see East and West kind of meeting. Yeah, so technology like and that sort of thing. I was into it. I went all the clubs, all clubs. You also went to uh, Singapore, right? I did go to Singapore. Ooh, it's hot. <laughs> it's so hot in Singapore. Have you been to Singapore? No, but that's on my bucket list because I love the diversity of food that they have over there. Singapore. Not to mention, it's like really, really hot. And if you are where we were in the circus, which is literally right underneath the most expensive that hotel that looks like it has a, the boat yeah. on top where yeah. they have the pool, the infinity pool. Yeah, we were right there. So the mall right there, you basically walk in and you spend $500, $800 just by walking in. But it was so clean oh yeah pretty the rules were insane but we obeyed them we were not bad kids while we were there we got to party in that hotel uh it was gorgeous and they we had sold out i think we did really well in singapore but that was also a tender moment for me because that was my last city with the circuit that's great great if someone didn't see you on the voice and you wanted to introduce introduce yourself to the public. How would you package yourself? So, so tell us who Lisa Ramey is. Ooh, she is a soul singing rock star who has been entertaining audiences from two people to thousands of people since she was six years old, and she belongs there and loves it and can entertain anyone. <laughs> Right. What is rock soul? So I, I, I am saying I am rock soul because I am in the recording academy and I am learning a lot through genres, categories, and how and what goes where. And I am learning that we are victorious because you can have a rock album that has a country track on it and like uh, R&B performance, best performance track on it. So I'm super into the fact that I can say very easily and freely that I am a soul rock singer because I have different elements to what I put out there. But with me personally, anything that I sing, you're going to hear soul because my voice is a soulful voice. So that's just going to happen. If I'm singing in an opera, it's going to be soul opera. <laughs> if I'm singing in a musical, you're going to hear the soul in that. Um, and, I, and there was a long time of my life where I was trying to disguise that to be able to get more roles. And I just say no to that. This is my voice is soulful. But I don't want to get on stage and just like be the soulful like, I got a pass card. I don't want to do that. I want to like rock out. So that's where the rock comes in. 
And then there's room to play because I am a musician who's been in all kinds of music my whole life. So there'd be times when I jump ship a little bit and I want to like smooth it out and do some R&B influences on something. But at the end of the day, with me, you're always going to get soul and rock because I like to rock it out and I have a soulful voice. Would you consider maybe at some point doing some gospel music with that element of those styles in it? I will always do gospel music. Uh, it's, I'm actually this new project that I'm working on that I can't talk about too much because it just keeps evolving. But there's a lot of gospel influence. Great. And, I mean, I love it. I, I love gospel. I, um, I'm the backup gospel singer. I'm singing in the choir. I'm not trying to be in the front. But I'm here for it, and I love it. <laughs> That's great. Now, every actor and actress probably wants to be in a Christmas film because, you know, every year it gets seen, right? Even yeah. all those old Christmas uh, films. Likewise, as a singer, you probably also want to do a Christmas song, which you did. Yeah. Tell us about that. I did. I Well, that's the thing is um, it's literally you nailed it. Like you're supposed to it's Christmas time. Where's your Christmas song? And so I've just, again, I've been singing Christmas songs in front of people at the mall and like at the church or whoever will listen since I was a child. So I'm kind of Christmas out and I wanted to do something fun and interesting that could make me happy. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm the one who has to push the song. So I'm with my Canadian manager and I just asked her, what's your favorite Christmas song? And she's like, it's kind of weird and you might make fun of me. But she's like, do you know who Boney M is? And I'm like, I don't know who Boney M is. And so we look at them and it's this like black band, but they're like Russian or, <laughs> or somewhere. And it, I was just like, well, that's gotta be hard. So we definitely let me hear every all the music that they're making. And so it's like this disco uh, version cover of Mary's Boy Child. And it was just too good. The music video is too good. There was just so much creativity going off in my head. And so my friend, Tim Young, he is like super dope with like dance tracks and like DJ stuff like that. Production, production, production. And I'm like, Ooh, I love that stuff, but I don't want to do it. I don't know how to do it. And I don't want the stress of doing it, but I can sing. Why don't we get together and make a really fun dance track? Cause 2020 was the worst. So we should have something fun. And we only have, Oh, look, it's December 1st. So we only have like a few days to do it. So we just Billy Eilished it and uh, just went into his bedroom and wrote it or not wrote it. Um, they wrote it, but we um, used his Casio. Like it was probably one of the first Casio uh, keyboards ever made. I think it was only maybe an octave. And we did most of it on that Casio and just recorded it and had a lot of fun and then put it out, and we managed to get it up and out and on all music platforms before the 25th, which was really hard. But we did it, and it's a lot of fun. Everyone should listen to it. <laughs> so now every Christmas, we're going to be hearing that song, right? Yeah, we're going to get that synced. It's going to be in commercials. It's going to be in a soul commercial. I'm going to manifest that and put that out there, and everyone's going to be dancing to it. So it can be like, I don't want to ever be in a Christmas movie, but I will take a Mariah Carey hit song for myself, <laughs> a Christmas song, because she still gets paid for her Christmas song. Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember the first uh, Christmas song that I really enjoyed was Jose Feliciano's Feliz Navidad. And I heard that back in 1973 or something. Yeah. And I, when I hear it, 
you know, every Christmas, that's when my Christmas, ah, now it's Christmas, because when I hear that song. And hopefully your song will uh, have that kind of longevity, because I'm sure that was one of your goals, right? Oh, yeah. There's just, you know, you have to play all kinds of different angles, and you got to remember to have fun. And it's like, you get a little excited about dance music, like I used to be a dancer, so I think it's fun to have stuff like that. And while we're in COVID, like what better time than to use this all pent up energy of all of us performers and kind of let it go in this really crazy way that does it, that's not so much pressure behind it because it's just a dance track. So I get to now have this song that's in this other world that I've never been in. So I'm excited to see what kind of fire that catches and it's a holiday song. So there's a lot that it could, can happen to it by the time the holidays roll around again. So it's, it's, it's fun. It's a Absolutely. Fun and we will be right back after this important message. Hi, my beautiful people. I just wanted to let you know about a book that's helped me save a lot of money. The book is called How to Buy in Today's Digital World, Tips for Those Who Want to Save a Buck. This book provides step-by-step -step tips on how to save money on your online purchases. It also instructs you on making smart financial decisions when buying groceries, booking flights and hotels, plus lots more. I hope you get a chance to get your copy. I think you'll love it, and I know you'll save some money. Available on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. And we're back. You ain't my friend, but I don't think you get it yet. At best, you're an acquaintance that I wish I never met. But you're lost in your reflection, looks to you. Your parents must be really be proud of you at this point. <laughs> they better be. No, they are. <laughs> they are. They very much are. Great, great. I'm happy about because I'm over here working so hard. I think they just want me to have a break. They're like, we're just ready. And like all these things happen. But not people just don't understand the ups and downs of the business. And I know them very well. Wow. So when other people think like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? I'm like, please let me have a break because it takes a lot to do the things that I do. I'm okay with the down part. And then sure. next thing you know, you're back up and have to make things happen. It's me. It's all me doing it. So I've got a couple of, okay. I got a couple of more questions and we're at the end. Okay. You know, I've had you for so long, almost pushing two hours. Sorry, uh, that's my fault. <laughs> uh, tell me, tell me something about Frank Cogliano and how he impacts you. Oh my gosh. If it wasn't for Frank, no one would even hear me. Frank, um, Frank was my guitar player in the band Juice Box and Sugar Bed that I was a part of years ago. And he, there were seven of us in that band. And so whenever I was writing the, the lyrics to the song, I was always like writing from the perspective of like dudes and myself. And I loved doing it, but um, when Frank, but there was always this other side to me that um, I wanted to write about, which was just about me and not kind of having to 
right from all these different perspectives. I just wanted to write from mine. And the boys, like whenever I would bring a song like Clear Your Mind to the band, they were like, we're not playing that. No one's playing that. Like, we're not going to play that. We're like Sharon Jones of the Dap Kings. That's how our vibe was. So no one wanted to do that. And, and that's okay if they didn't want to do it. It makes sense. But it's still something that was happening within me. So Frank was like, well, I love that song. Why don't we just have like, let's just like make some songs on the side and see what happens. So that band died. And then all that was left was me and Frank. And that is the music that is on Surrender. So it was because of him who, whenever I had an idea, everybody else was like, shut up. And he listened and we then wrote an album together. Great, great. I have two questions and that's, we're done. One of them, um, you had also spoke in an interview. And so I figure it's okay because you made it public. Mm-hmm. But I think it's kind of important that people also see the struggles that you as an artist went through. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of people do, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is at one point you said you were homeless. Oh, yeah. Hear with us what that was about and how that played out. Yes, it was. Oh, my gosh. It. Well, first of all, I have to clear because when when I said it on The Voice, you know, they 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 create a story and it's horrible to be homeless. But it's not like I was on the streets because that's not who I'm not ever going to do that because I'm always I got two hands that work. I got a mouth, you know, I am able to work. The hard part about being in this business is that <laughs> making ends meet and showing up to all the things that you need to show up to. It's just impossible to do it unless you got a lot of money or someone else who can make up for what you can't do that month. And I just didn't have that. So it was just so much easier on my psyche to not worry about paying rent and to just couch it. So I never overstayed my welcome, but as you can imagine, that's a lot of moving. So I called it backpacking through Manhattan because it was horrible, but it was a way that I could live here and be able to go to every single audition, be able to put myself out there to stay up late at gigs and other people's shows, just to be able to hang out with everybody, to show that I am also a musician, to be able to make moves. I had to give myself completely over to this music side to get ahead. So it's, it's really difficult. Like people don't understand the sacrifices that you make and that can now people, now you can see why my mom is still like, just come home because that could happen now. The, the, the business is up and down. You can, you can be on tour as a backup singer for the biggest names in the business. And then when the tour's over, the money stops, you know, and those checks, they look big at the beginning, but they're not that big at the end of the day. And if you're trying to pay rent in New York City, $10,000 is nothing. It's absolutely nothing. And now at a pandemic. So there's a lot of people who will be homeless. And it's awful because they're just people like you and me working. <laughs> we are able to work. And we are, we're really good at what we do. We're actually great. On paper, we're great. And we have worked with great people. But none of that matters when the show's over. Every time a show closes, every time an award show is over, so is that check. Those people are not getting paid. And it's not just the singers. It's not just the people in the front of the camera. It's also people using cameras, like things end. The entertainment business is happening and then it's not. 
and that is hard to deal with. And then you add like some boss who's like, you need to be at work. I don't care that you were just singing back up with Madonna. No one cares about Madonna here. You need to be at work. Oh, you missed your shift or you're like late. Uh, you're fired. And you have to like deal with all the stuff. And you're like literally looking at these people like you want me to serve ice cream. And you're freaking out. This is an ice cream emergency. <laughs> and I literally just sang backup from Madonna. Like, right. can you just like relax? But, they, but you can't get mad at them because they don't care. And they don't need to care. Right. It is an ice cream emergency. <laughs> so it's hard to balance it out. And not everybody has to go this route. But I wasn't leaving New York without New York being, <laughs> without me handling New York. I will handle this city. I am handling this city. And in order for me to be able to stay here and continue what I'm doing, because I am elevating, you better believe I'm not just going to let rent send me home. So there's a lot of other people out here like me. But with, when, it, when it went public on The Voice, oh, my gosh, there were so many friends of mine who were like, you didn't tell me you were homeless. What are you talking about? You're struggling and this is horrible. You should have told me. Like, I got yelled at quite a bit. But it's <laughs> I, I'm healthy. I'm here. I know how to do it. I don't recommend it. It's horrible. I have so many toothbrushes that are somewhere else. I constantly have to buy those little things that we all have. I'm, I'm leaving them. Like, you don't know where you're going to eat. You know, everyone's eating around you and they're constantly like, do you want to have some? And you're, and you're thinking of how much little money you have in your account and you have to think of what you're going to do for the rest of that week. And everyone's trying to get you to come out to go drinking because you're fun. And the sacrifices that are being made really take its toll on you. So I'm not saying it was easy, but it wasn't like I was begging for food on the street. It wasn't like that. You will survive and you will overcome and you will master. Sure will. And then I got cool stories. They weren't cool when it was happening, but now looking back, I can say that the struggle was 100% worth it. Not only cool, but also inspiring to many people who hear it. It can happen to anybody. It can happen to anybody. It Absolutely. is now. But you got to keep that dream alive because you only live once. YOLO. You really only live once. And I, as I said before, at the very beginning, like, I have to try. You're doing it. I have to try. And then look what's happening because I tried. And you're doing it. And it's going to happen even better and, and bigger. So, yes! So happy. As, as they say in the church, keep the faith. Keep the faith. Keep the faith and keep watching because it's getting, it's getting pretty good. No it's doubt. Last question. Five years from now, we're going to see those Grammys in your bathroom in L.A.? Oh, yeah, I already have a dream house. I already have, I already, I already have all of it. Explain, because so, some people don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, I'm going to have, let's multiply that. In five years, I'm going to say I'm going to have, like, 11 Grammys. I'm going to say 11. I'm going to be an EGOT, just like, just like my coach, John Legend. I have... Because I've been in this business for a long time, there's a lot of tricks that I have up my sleeve that I'm excited to show the world. You know, this singing is just one side of myself that I love doing. Like, there's so much that I get to add to that and bring to the stage. And I'm so excited. So five years is me sitting pretty, um, shocking the world with something else that I'm doing that nobody saw coming. <laughs> Wonderful. So... In five years, with all those 11 Grammys in your bathroom, so that everybody can see it because everybody has to go to the bathroom, 
Everybody's got to go. <laughs> but you're going to leave New York and you're going to be in L.A. Is that right? Is that about right? I'm going to do both because L.A.'s people, they get in your head. And I'm not down with that so much. I need my head clear. So I will always have a base in Manhattan. I will always come and go. Might even be Brooklyn. New York has, I was, uh, what is it, born, made in St. Louis. Uh, or no, born in St. Louis, made in New York. Um, I really believe that there's just a tie to me here and the truth is here, whether it is pretty or gruesome, the truth is here. And in LA, you got to search for the truth. So <laughs> I will have home here and then make the big moves in Hollywood. Gotcha. You know, Brooklyn's getting better and better every day. It really is. I mean, I've been here for a very long time and I love, uh, where I'm living right now. It's really nice. It's beautiful. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, Lisa Ramey, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Talking Thank to you, me. hearing your voice, your stories, your insp inspiration. It's really been fun. Thank you. I've had a really good time, too. This was really great. I'm, I talk so much, so thank you for your patience. <laughs> it's been our pleasure, and I hope that people will hear your stories, enjoy it, and be inspired by it, that you're more than a singer and much more than a dancer. Oh, yeah. You're one of a kind. And we at Fry It Up Podcast wish you the best and continued success. Thank you. Now, when you become even bigger mm -hmm. and you have better stories to tell us, even better than what you got now, come back and let us know. We'll put you back on. We'll have another chat. Lisa Ramey 2.0. Yes, I can't wait to tell you all the things that have happened since this conversation. It's going to be crazy. Oh, I can't wait. So <laughs> keep good. us, remember us, and then we'll be back in touch, okay? Remember me too. <laughs> we'll loop back around. This isn't over. It's going to be a yep. very awesome next talk. Absolutely. Thank you very much. This is Augustus Cho for Fry It Up. Over and out. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. What is your name? My name is Lisa Ray. You look familiar. I was like just here. Yeah, you were just here. Well. I wasn't here, so... Oh, I'm what? so happy you came. What did you sing last time you were here? Beautiful Trauma by it, Pink. It was the Pink. I She's remember so cool. you. I thought the song choice was so rad. I'm so glad. Like, you deserve to be here. Your voice was so powerful. It just cut through everything. You hit those high notes with such clarity and power. Thank I you I like so the choice much. of song. It was unorthodox, and it really worked. And your hair is dope. <laughs> Thank you. It's also a victory. You must feel so elated right now. And so Dude, I know, like, I can't even yeah. imagine. <laughs> this is a great example to lead by. Perseverance paid off, and you deserve all of it. I can't <laughs> even believe you get to work with John Legend right now. I'm excited for you. Thank it's going to be great. <laughs> Thank yeah. you so much for coming back. She picked a really cool song. Her voice and her look just fit perfectly together. I think they missed out. 